Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back to the Nassiman Hockey Podcast. John Zella, James Nichols, back with you to really kick off the season. We got to ease in here. We took some breaks this summer. We're not out of practice 100%. We did record a couple weeks ago, but we're going we're gonna to ease in here. Um, and it's something we, I think we've talked about music here and there, but we've never really fully dived in. Dove in? Dived in? One of those. We've never jumped oh. in to the subject. And you're the teacher. Tell me. Um, although we were on Bar Down Breakdown, our, a fellow show on THPN, the Hockey Podcast Network. Um We've kind of talked a lot about a lot of things on that show, but what what does James listen to on a day to day basis? What are you what are you putting on? You're going to the gym. What are you? Oh, that's a different playlist sometimes. But you know, you're going to the gym or you're in the car. What what do you yeah. listen to these days? So I actually just discovered this new band that I'm really into uh, called Spirit Box, and oh yeah, I, yeah, I've yeah. just been really digging their stuff. Like uh, female vocal lead and. Like I, I always love a female vocal lead. Like I'm a big fan of like in this moment, um, and then other, you know, female vocal lead bands. But um, when I discovered Spirit Box, I was like, man, this actually might be the best female lead singer I've ever heard. Like she is, she's for like a rock nominal for yeah for a rock band. She is, I mean, for she does scream, but when she's not screaming, she's also like phenomenal and i'm like she could be the best female singer i've heard like in a long time like of a lot of people she's incredible so i've been really digging spirit box lately that's been a band i've been listening to a lot are you are you saying that she's better than Haley williams of paramount um, i'm saying she has a very strong voice and it's it's different it's like very it's 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 hard to compare them they're not the same right they're very different voices. Like uh, the, I don't, I don't know her name, but the the lead singer of Spirit Box's uh, voice is very. I want to say the word is dominant. If that's, hmm. if if that if I could put that into words, right? Is that does that make sense? Um, whereas you know Haley Williams is incredible. I feel it's a little more dainty. Where hers is very very dominant. Interesting. I have to. I have listened to them before, but I, I have to dive in a little deeper. Um, God, that was very specific. That was I. I didn't expect that. I thought you were going to say like a bunch of bands. Um, I think I'm all over the place. I am all um, over the place too. But like that's one I've been re- like I've been also listening to like a lot of slip. I've been very heavy, a lot of Slipknot. You know, a lot of uh, oh man, uh, uh, like Moss to a Flame. I love them. Uh, August Burns Red. I've been listening to. So yeah, like a lot of heavy. I do of, of Mice and Men. I do like uh, August Burns Red. Big fan yeah. of the drummer. He's yeah, phenomenal. And they're they're kind of riffy for a heavy band. I I definitely enjoy that. Yeah. Like I yeah. there's specific parts of the songs where I'm like listening to it for that or intros and it's like Mariana's Trench or you know whatever that album is. Yeah. Constellations. I think composure is so good. Yeah, that um, some of those songs are. Excellent. So I've been, God, I've been all over the place though. Um, there's been a lot of Long Island bands um, that are coming out. There's a band. Oh man, I'm gonna heavy. Oh my God, I have to look it up because it's they were, they were they were so good. I just listened to them, and of course on your computer you can't uh, 
you can't see the recently played as easy as like anywhere else. Um, oh my god, this is gonna be really frustrating. Anyway, I, I was listening to um, Better Lovers. They had an EP come out. Um, lead singer of Dillinger Escape Plan. A couple of guys from Every Time I Die. Um, oh, cool. Some, some straight from the path. I've been really digging Euthanasia. Um, Crime and Stereo just came out with a few new songs. And that's why the band is Heavy Hex. Um, a Long Island hardcore band. Super cool. Um, Silent Majority had a bunch of shows this summer. They've been playing some gigs, which is awesome. Um, they don't have any new music, but Silent Majority. Um, it's funny. During the day, I listen to instrumental uh, jazz music while I write. Because <laughs> I can't listen to anything with vocals. It just distracts no. me. Dude, I dig that. Like, uh, there's a playlist I have on YouTube that I listen to that's just coffee shop jazz instrumental. Yes. I dig that stuff. Yeah. So, all day I listen to that. And then the last two hours, I need to like really power through some stuff. Then I kind of throw on some different music um, where I I can kind of stand the distraction a little bit. But uh, there's a band called Microwave. I've been really, um, their album Stovall, I've been really into. It's one of my favorite albums right now. Um, you know um the plot in you. I don't know them. That's another one that I've been listening to a lot too lately. Very good. Um, and then the Wonder Years—they're on tour right now. Go see them if uh, they're in the area. I think they were in the New York area recently, but they came out of the record last year it was super good. And uh, oh, Incendiary, Long Island hardcore band—they also or New York hardcore band, whatever. Uh, they just came out with a record last year, which is great. And yeah, I feel like I'm just like shouting out bands now. But yeah, that's that's kind of I, I think we just never really talked about that before. And um, let's shake out the cobwebs here. And before we get to some Islander stuff, and th- there's no note other than Mike Babcock. That's all I wrote. <laughs> I don't know where this is going to go. I don't really have anything to say other than all right so what like what i think happen i think the news cycle is like already passed us by right like we're 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 pretty much past it at the point where we're sitting down to talk about it um pascal vincent's already in mike babcock's already out um and you know the statements have been put out there and everything like it's it's pretty it's it's wrapped up it's done right now it's just the dust is settling um, all I have to say about it is better that it happened now than, you know, before he could have ruined somebody's year, right? We, we know that he's a predator. He targets young players and just really makes them feel like pieces of garbage for a full year. He did it to Mitch Marner in Toronto. Um, some other players came forward from, you know, his Detroit days, like Johan Franzen, by the way. Um, talking about Chris how Chelios. shit, Chris Chelios, right? So like he did it to them back in the day. So it, it, it's better that it happened. And and especially for a young rebuilding team where the entire roster, I think the average age there is like 24 years old. Better that it happened now than before he could ruin half of that youth's whole year and, and have that team take a step backward. He doesn't belong in hockey. He clearly demonstrated that the first time. A lot of people are giving Yarmo Kekalainen and shit for hiring him. Apparently, he's a guy who has like a big heart and believes in second chances. And he tried to make a business decision based on his resume to, you know, really jumpstart the rebuild that, you know, he's put forth there that he's, you know, he's been basically he, he's had full ownership of. So he made a mistake. You know, they didn't fire him for it. I, I think I'm okay with it, you know, so long because they, and it wasn't his decision alone, but, you know, he handled it um, kind of, I don't want to say cleanly, but he handled it, right? The statement that he put out after thanking him for, you know, his professionalism, I was like, that's kind of bullshit because he sucks, but um, it, it was fast. It was clean. Um And like I said, the dust is already pretty much settling, so it's almost over. And uh, I think that team will be, well, I know that team will be much better off without Mike Babcock. I guess I just don't understand the 
the aspect of you had to bring him back and then you had somebody kind of in the wings. Now you had to you had to do something quick, right? So it's it's kind of hard to read, but you had somebody and then you signed him to a two-year contract immediately um from within the organization. It's why bring back somebody that's been out of it at all? I just I don't under I don't understand. And I don't think it's just a matter of oh we need to clean house. In in a lot of ways they that the NHL does need that. So it's just very odd to me, especially like the Joe, Joe Quenville and and some other you know always oh, a really good coach or this or that. If if you can move on, I, I don't know why we're not trying to bring up other young coaches. I mean, the Islanders did that, right? Lane Lambert um, been around the league a long time, but not a head coach. And I suppose that's something. It's a little less of a carousel, and he's not really been hired and fired. A million times he's been with three organizations um for the majority of his career so it's not like he's just going in and out of clubs and organizations left and right or every three years you know the tortorellas and whatever i i just don't understand how that keeps happening so i think the problem with kick is he's not really had success it's been 10 years and other than goudreau and beating the leafs in the playing round and the Tampa series, they don't really have anything to show. And, and signing a couple of good players does not a reputation make. So I don't understand how this wouldn't be the, the straw that broke the camel's back kind of thing, where the ownership is, you know, this, you know, whether they think it's the right time or not or whatever. Uh, it, it's just, it was wild to me that that's how it, it shook out. I think. Your team is not making the playoffs. I don't think you're really in in competition there. Um, and if the difference is whether or not your GM, who's done horseshit for ten years, is a difference, you got to rethink some stuff. Um, right. I I don't think that there would have been a huge problem. Just like, all right, you're you're clearly not it, right? You 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 took a shot and it didn't work. And I don't think that makes you a bad person. You can it could be well intentioned, but it just didn't work. And that's in a long list of things that didn't work. So it's it's just kind of um, it's not like on my last rant about Garth Snow, where it was like, well, some things worked and some things didn't work, and some things didn't work in a really big way, but a lot of things did work in a big way. And you can kind of sit there and try to figure out what did it. Looking at the team that he left behind, and then what happened afterwards, regardless of changing coaches and things like that, um, a lot of the the players were from his era so he must have done something half right um still 50 percent not great because you never know but um yeah i don't know i i think teams moving on from gms that have been there too long is not something that happens enough um coaches are always there too long um sometimes players are there too long and they just don't they just don't move on or between the players and the team, they they can't figure out how to you know Taves and Kane how it got to the last year of that is it will you know I, I think they wanted to stay in Chicago for whatever reason I I don't understand how you just keep doing that when the, when the team is not playing well and you still find I I don't know but uh, if teams can figure out how to move on from players and vice versa a little bit sooner I think it would be for the better so yeah I, I, as far as um, the Islanders. We dive in. We're here uh, for the rest of the season, hopefully with weekly episodes, you know, occasional little breaks here and there for holidays and um, occasional travel. But um, we have camp tomorrow. Big boy camp. Oh, yeah. Um, before we get to that, prospect and rookie camp. Uh, our friend Joe Pantorno for AM New York had a great article about eight Islanders who have improved their stock. At rookie camp, definitely go look that up. Um, yes, we can go through that a little, but I wanted to get a sense from you of what you heard and seen so far from the Islanders rookies. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a lot of, and again, this happens like every year. It feels, um, but you know, we constantly talk about and hear about how the Islanders' prospect pool is dismal, and you know, all of a sudden they have this prospect camp for this week. And, 
you know, not just Joe, but a bunch of writers were, you know, talking about how Isaiah George, man, that guy looks like a steal. He looks like he could be a top pairing guy in the NHL, right? And this is coming from people in the know, like people who work in hockey, study hockey, like, and, and see what these players do on the ice. Like to say that of, of Isaiah George, a fourth round pick, that's huge. Um, you know, Ruslan Iskakov, he looked really good, um, really skilled player, right? People are making a big stink that he came in at like, I think he was 5'8 last year. They say he lost an inch. I don't know if that's necessarily really true because at the age that, you know, he's at, are they really growing or, or shrinking? I don't think so, but whatever. He had a really great breakout season in the AHL last year. He's like a sleeper to possibly make the Islanders if he has a really good, you know, camp that he's going to be at tomorrow. Um, you know, Maggio is a guy who they say his shot's incredible. It's like, I think the, the word I kept seeing was wicked. Um, and William DeFore, that's the guy for me who I'm like, if the Islanders need anybody to really develop, it's that guy. Um, my, you know, minus Isaiah George, cause they do, they need a really good puck mover um, and, a, and a good, another good defenseman. But, you know, the the thing with DeFore was that his knock was his skating. And they're saying that his initial stride is now really good and he has really good pace and he's not he's no longer the last guy, you know, doing doing suicides, or he's no longer the last guy taking laps. Like he's just a really, you know, he's a he's a middle of the pack skater now, which is not, you know, anything to write home about, but for him that's a big deal because he was just really not a great skater last year, and now he has that in his arsenal. So that's that's really good news, and apparently he's also making really good playmaking decisions too. So, um, you know, again, for the, the the fact of the matter is that the Islanders have constantly been talking about about having this prospect pool that's really not good, and to have a bunch of these guys um, look like they're developing really well and strengthening, you know, the the depth that they have, it's only good news. Yeah, I'll add in Matthew Maggio as somebody his name came up in Joe's article and I saw his name come up a lot on Twitter over the last few days from from a bunch of people. And um, ex- exactly to your point is what I wanted to discuss. And I'll, I'll, I'll zoom out beyond the rookies as we go into some other stuff. Um, and, you know, Holmstrom was on this uh, on Joe's list. And I, I don't I didn't realize that he would even be at a at a rookie camp considering he has 50 NHL games under his belt. But I think zooming out a little bit and to your point about um, somebody needing to hit kind of soon, they don't need a ton of players to do that, right? It's not as if, even if you look over the next two or three years at how many, you know, barring any trades that we don't know about, but looking about what we actually know, it's not like there's a ton of roster spots available. So you're not really, especially... Barring the fourth line, again, you, you kind of like you can anticipate maybe this is the last year um, they have guys like um, Gauthier or whatever that can go in. You have guys like um, Hudson Fashing that can that can sneak in there too. Casey Zekas isn't going anywhere. But for the top nine, it's not like there's a ton of opportunity there. So they don't they if Ishkakov and one other player, and that one other player might be Wallstrom. Right or Holmstrom, more like more than likely Wallstrom. At least that's where my money is. So if it's it just really needs to be Wallstrom and another player, or really just two forwards. Their top six isn't going anywhere. Maybe they get a scoring forward, but we I I, I don't even want to talk about that. Right, I only want to talk about in in um in terms of things that we know. Right, because we can beat that dead horse with a dead horse at this point. It's it's irrelevant. It's it, as far as I'm concerned, it's not happening. Until it does, it's not happening. I don't, when the trade deadline comes, I don't even want to have a podcast because it's we're, we're going to be talking about it all over again. It's not worth it. But you're you're really thinking about the roster, and I guess I'll I'll ask you this question: with the way that the Islanders roster is constructed. Do, do we even need to worry about additions from the outside at this point? Or are we really looking at maybe a rookie or somebody coming in? The Islanders are dying for that. This this franchise has been dying for somebody that, that's not a first-round pick to really break out. Save for Wallstrom, right? That would be amazing. But some of these other players that are you know, years in the making or this, 
all of these Stanley Cup teams have somebody that, that somebody just comes out of nowhere. Some rookie really makes a difference. I'm not saying he scores 50 goals, but someone makes a difference. It, it's kind of the Islanders' turn. And they have this eight, maybe 10 players that could really push for a, for a spot over the next few years, a lot less for this season. But what? Who's really close? Like, are, are we, is Ishkakov closer than we think? I don't know about Dufour. Um, I've heard, I saw some mixed reviews about his skating. I know you're saying it got better, but maybe it's still not at the NHL level. Um, what's the reality of the future of the Islanders roster? And I say that future through this season, thinking through June, hopefully. What, what does this roster look like? Yeah. I mean, Look, like you, you said it, like, say for Holstrom, but he, he's back. He's in the lineup, and, you know, not for nothing, Lane Lambert gassed him up the other day in, in his first media availability, saying he's really excited for him and his growth and his potential and everything. So, you know, we'll see what that looks like on the ice um, as soon as tomorrow. But, um, you know, you, you assume he's going to be in the top nine, and, in the, you know, the top six is going to look like some sort of combination between Lee Nelson, Paul Mary, Horvat, Barzell, and... X, you know, and, and that the, maybe that is Holmstrom. Um, if it's not, you know, your Engvall is going to be actually up there in, in the top six. So um, we'll have to see, you know, how that shakes out. But maybe on the third line, there's a spot for one of those kids, you know, with Holmstrom and Pajot, you know, Hudson Fashing is, is still around. And, you know, he even was, you know, vocal about like wanting to take another step this year and his, you know, his career and um you know so so we'll see but if it's gonna be anybody who's you know your question was who's like the closest i know he was around a bunch last year it's a mix between who's the closest and who's the closest that meets a need right so i think that's where there's a kind of a thin line that venn diagram needs to meet somewhere in the middle it can be ishkaklav could be closest but there's no spot for him and you're thinking, well, who are we going to sit? This, this is not going to work, right? right. It's kind of well, like it's like picking a center. Yeah, that's probably yeah. not going to work. They have five on the on the on the roster right now. It's a, a topic I don't want to talk about Barzell at the moment, but it's something you know to, to talk about later on. Right. It, it's kind of what what's the Venn diagram of what they need on the roster? No, they they and need who's a scoring ready. winger. That's what they need. They need a scoring winger, and they they're hoping that that's going to be Wallstrom, um, but. You know, another guy who could really make an impact if he took a step forward in his development is a guy who's been around a little bit uh, last year, got a decent amount of games in, in Simone Holmstrom. Is he not a guy who you would have hoped got that taste last year and really worked on and developed his game over the summer this year? Like, you, you, you hope that that's the case. So it could be him, um, you know, but then again, I did see, you know, Dark Horse could be a guy like, you know, you can't deny the body that DeFore is, right? If he can, if he can, you know, keep pace, um, play smart positionally, be in the right places at the right times, and then you know his shot, it, there's no question about it. It's it's of NHL caliber. So if it's not a a, a, a Holmstrom, and you know the Islanders are really craving a, a goal scorer, well, DeFore had a really good rookie season in the AHL last year. Uh, if he really is taking this step forward, like I, I've been seeing from a couple of, you know, the the Islanders beat reporters, it feels like he would be one of the one of the first guys given the the first chance, you know, barring an injury. I mean, I think what's important here, and I've said this a few times, so I don't think you're suggesting throw him on the first line, but a scoring winger somewhere because we've right, seen yeah, the, the, the mess. Ratu, Dufour, Holmstrom, even Wallstrom just being thrown on the first line and it just not working where you have a player playing against the team's top defenders and checking forwards and then on top of that you have to keep up with the best players on your team. Right. That's really difficult. Um, I think what's interesting here and it'll, you know, I'd like to. Th- I don't really know what how the the um, the roster construction will look like beyond the dressed players. So Gauthier and Ross Johnson. I don't really know how that works. 
to me, somebody has to be waived at some point if one of these young guys is going to come up. But and then you know that if if Dufour is coming up, where's home? Where's that leave Holmstrom? Uh, probably just not on the NHL roster to begin with. So if a player goes down, they can call up somebody, and they don't have two and three players sitting in the wings at, at all times. They need a defender who's a seven D. I think I think some of that's a little complicated. But I think what's interesting is if if one of Matt Martin and Cal Clutterbuck goes down or whatever, any host of reasons, they're not in the lineup. I'm not wishing them ill. One of them goes down or is unable to play and Hudson fashion gets bumped down. That's where I see a Dufour coming in and, and playing on a line with Peugeot and Lee or Wallstrom or like whatever, probably Lee at that point. Um, hopefully Lee because Wallstrom is doing really well in the first line or something. But that's kind of where I see that fitting in. It's got to be something happens in the bottom six and a Dufour or an Ishkakov can come in and be not thrown to the wolves. That's a big change I'd like to see from Lambert going into this season. If you are going to try to utilize these younger players, you, you can't throw them in there. Dufour got less than seven minutes and just be upset about it. Right? It, it's that's just not something that you can do on a regular basis. You're not going to build their confidence, and then you get to wait a whole another year to come back. That's that's a mess to me. That doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So it's really going to be in that bottom six where you can make some changes just based on the health of players, who's going to be available on a night-to-night basis. But again, some of that's going to have to do with the roster space. What Who's making up the 23-man roster and how are they managing the extra defensemen on the road? Um Who's waiver eligible? Are they willing to do? Are they finally willing to waive Ross Johnson? I I don't know, but it's interesting that they have a couple of players that fit that need. To your point about a scoring winger, let's call it in their middle six, just so you know, give give the kids a little credit. It'd be nice to have that. Yeah. It'd be really nice to have that, especially at the second line, as we know it, with Engvall, Nelson, and, and Palmieri, which I assume will be together, but. It'd be nice to have a, that, a little bit of extra. Maybe it'll get Peugeot going. Who can score? And he's he's quick and he can move the puck. It doesn't take a whole lot. But is it any any other thoughts on who might be able to fit in there, or is it you know Ishikov do for Holmstrom? Uh, yeah, and and you know uh, of just the prospects that. They, we mentioned or or roster I mean, players too who are I think roster players guys. I think roster players too I mean I so I had like a whole thing written here obviously I didn't I didn't really go into it but even whether it's Holmstrom or Goche or whatever somebody needs Goche to Goche is up the guy here. I wonder about like his uh, his career has been weird but he's a former first round pick he had like he had some talent back in the day and I just wonder you know is he a guy they took a stab on because they saw something in him and, and maybe he just needed the right situation and, and now he's in one? I don't know. I, I He's a wild card to me. He he could possibly, you know, be something. So um, I don't think it's worth putting money on. You know, I'm not betting anything on it, but um, and if you are, do it through DraftKings, promo code THPN. Um, but, you know, some I think I think we talked about this last time and the NHL account on Twitter um, or the artist formerly known as Twitter posted a video of him scoring a goal or something like that. And it was, it kind of got fans going a little bit and I don't think it was unnecessary or anything. And what people weren't going crazy, but um, yeah. it was cool to see that. Right. It was almost, you know, it was like Hudson fashing esque kind of, okay. The, the, he's got a little bit of a nose for it. Um, yeah, I think there's a lot of options. I'm very curious what actually shakes out with. So I'll put it to you, you know, this the next way: few days in training camp, Gauthier was drafted in 2016, right? Uh, heading into his draft year, he scored 41 goals in 54 games in uh, the QMJHL. Right? He gets drafted, and then he scores. Looks like 17 goals. 43 games 
between two teams. Plays for Team Canada, five goals in seven games at the World Juniors. Then he goes to the AHL and scores 16 goals in 65 games. And then the following year with the with the Checkers, 27 goals in 75 games. Uh, the year after that, 26 goals in 44 games. So he has goal-scoring ability, right? We saw that clip. He had that fancy goal when he played for the Rangers. Uh, it was nice. He's never he's, really been an assist guy, so his bread and butter when he got drafted was to be a goal scorer. And he was taken in the first round, 21st overall by the Hurricanes. So it's, I, I don't know, maybe he just needs a chance. He's young. Maybe it, it, yeah, it's, it's, He's only 25. Yeah, so I think there's a lot of, you know, what can the Islanders do if they round out his game? If he's not going to score goals, um, what else can he bring to the table? And the Islanders are, you know, they're shut down players or they're, uh, you know, I said bread and butter, so I'll use that term is the bread and butter of the team. So how can they kind of use that? And, you know, former first round pick of another team, it makes it a little bit easier to digest that kind of player lower in the lineup. But I think, you know, there's some concerns. He's uh, a little over 150 games or something, I think. And um doesn't look like he's been able to stick on a roster very much. He's he's not playing full seasons. I don't know if he has any injuries. Um So it's interesting. I, I hope that he can stick with the Islanders. It looks like there is something there to your point. He can score goals. It just can he put it together at the NHL level? And with only four years of NHL experience, um, you know, he's not going to get better necessarily. I think it's just finding the right opportunity and cashing in. So if he's playing regularly, which it doesn't look like he's really had that opportunity, maybe it comes out. Maybe he can score 15 goals. Um, and that's really been who the Islanders are. It's been scoring by committee, save for Brock Nelson. And fingers crossed, um, Horvat and Barzell together separately. So um, wherever they can add it around the edges and take some of the pressure or really put the cherry on top of that core um, down the middle and, and all of that is, as far as goal scoring, I think that's going to be really important for the success of the team this season who's ever hot is going to stay um if we've learned anything about lambert that's that's what it is um whether or not you're upset with you know some other players that you didn't think were, were playing so well but look look at what's happened lamarello said you don't have that option anymore um i'm done looking at it so if you're not going to make the decision i'm going to make it for you and it's been a lot of turnover on this roster we talked about that last time too so it's um we're looking at a full roster of this team that we really didn't get a good look at last year um, after Barzell's injury, and then he just wasn't the same going into the playoffs. So uh, full year of Engvall, full year of Horvat, I think it's a big deal. Nassiman Hockey Podcast is brought to you by DraftKings. We're back with another week of football, and DraftKings Sportsbook is keeping us in on all the NFL action with great offers every single game day. New customers can bet just $5 and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Just throw five down on any of this week's epic matchups to walk away an instant winner. DraftKings isn't stopping there either. All customers can take advantage of two new offers every game day this September. Football's more fun when you're in on the action. So download the app now and sign up with code THPN. New customers can bet just $5 to get 200 instantly in bonus bets. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with code THPN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-H-O-P-E-N-Y or text HOPENEWYORK-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, Licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms for eligibility, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Andrew Gross and a few others um, reported that, quote, Lane Lambert says a lot of offseason thought is 
given to whether Barzell plays wing or center. Not divulging those thoughts just yet. Says there will be some experimentation in training camp. Barzell willing to play either. So before anyone freaks out, I guess don't. Save it. Well, plenty to freak out about. <laughs> He's going to be all over the place. Um, what's your take on that? Where where does Barzell end up? I think I know what you're going to say as the ideal situation or rather one that you've kind of been on before. But I think this is different than than that because Barzell could be playing center again and that doesn't exactly jive. So I, I, I'm curious. So there's kind of two questions here. If Barzell is playing the wing, what do you think? Or rather, what would you like to see? And if he's playing center... That's a huge wrench. I'm not even sure where to go from there. Yes, that's correct. Um, I I think he starts on the wing, and I think he has to start on the wing. I think it has to be next to Bo Horvat because you got a glimpse of what it was when it was able to happen for that very short amount of time, but then he unfortunately got injured, right? So... You know, Engvall comes in and then he really meshes well with, um, you know, Lee and Nelson and, and that line. Or no, I'm sorry, Paul Marion and uh, Nelson and that line is just lights out. So how do you not put them back together? Like, don't fix what's not broken, right? That worked. Horvat and Barzell worked, right? You need to find a third pairing for that those two. And it was Lee, if I'm not mistaken, right? That was Lee. um for that short amount of time, which I'm cool he, with mostly. Yeah. I would like to see Wallstrom push for that spot. And, you know, if he does, that's great news, but, um, you know, whether it's Lee or, or, or Wallstrom, like that duo worked. So in my opinion, you have to start there and it, it, it hopefully that momentum carries over to this training camp and, and into the preseason and that works, right? Because, that's that's what you want. The playmaker in Barzell with the goal scorer in Horvat and, you know, whether it's Lee or or Wallstrom, right? And if it's Wallstrom, now Barzell has two weapons to distribute to. If it's Lee, Barzell can distribute to Horvat. Lee will be in the front of the net to clean up the garbage. Like, we know that's the formula. Yeah, so- I think those two options are pretty good. I'm surprised to not hear you put on your tinfoil hat. Well, and, and- I was going to say... if if they put him back at center okay this is not where i thought you were going wow you're you're really pulling out the stops from here well i was gonna say if they if if they put him back at center maybe maybe move nelson to the wing and have nelson play with barzell because we've seen that chemistry work i know so that's kind of that nelson should center barzell because i said that last year I that works for me too, but it, yeah, I, I the thought only you were. Thing I could think of if they're. Gonna I thought you were going to say, back. it's irrelevant who plays center. Nelson and Barzell need to be together. Well, I that's, thought that's what you were going to say. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I mean, dude, how they, they were lights out together. Like, you know, it's so, it's a very to? it's a hard decision. I, I forget who I was listening to, um, that was talking about just how under I think it was Sidney Crosby actually how underratedly good elite Brock Nelson is nobody talks about him nobody considers him a top center in the league but like I understand he plays on the Islanders second line he very well could have been and is the Islanders number one center for the past couple of years like he just consistently scores and I get it. He's 30 years old, 31 years old. He's a little bit older now, but like, doesn't matter. Like he's just, he's so consistently good. There were those years where you were like, you know, just like, Oh my God, I wish he could do this consistently. But then he did. And he really, really did. And I mean, you, you could bank on 35 goals from him this year. It's going to happen, right? Could he hit 40? Probably. He probably could. And he might do it again. I, I don't. I if they put him with Barzell, forty goals, no problem, no problem. But I personally think keep Paul Mary and Engvall with 
with Nelson to start. That was also very good. And I could see him scoring 35, 40 goals with them, with them as well. And have Horvat and Barzell together, whichever way it works. I think that's probably where I'm landing with it too. I'm interested in whether Nelson and Barzell don't find each other at some point. But if Horvat and Barzell are working, I don't know how. I don't really care between the two of them who plays center. I think Horvat's absolutely a natural center, and I don't know that he could play wing. I mean, hell, I I struggle playing the wing. I don't play hockey for a living, so um, it's just not not generally where I'm comfortable. But um, and that's the nature of it. You you kind of play one thing for a really long time, and when you switch, you switch hard, and it's it's hard to go back, um, even if it's something that you you played growing up on on a regular basis. So I don't. I don't understand what happens when Barzell is if he's a center. That I forget about blowing up the second line. I don't understand what the lines even look like. You're that is some galaxy brain shit that you have to go through to get something that looks somewhat normal. I'm sure you could do it, but I haven't like I, I wrote this days ago. And have not been able to wrap my head around what that would even look like, because, all right, so you're you're you're, who are you taking out of at, at a center? Is it Sezikis who played the wing and was it was successful, and you can move him pretty much anywhere, but then it's Pajot and no, okay, that's weird. Um, is it Pajot's going in the wing? Well, no, that is also super weird. Um, he's a really good centerman and he's maybe your best face-off guy. So that's stupid. So I like logic is telling me Barzell can't go play center. So I don't know why Lambert is playing this Lamorello bullshit. It, it doesn't make any sense. You have to rack your brain unless they've sat down all summer. They knew who their players are right there. How many, it's only so many moving parts. Like we said earlier, I don't really get it. I don't know what happens. You you had a smirk, so you might have some kind of an idea that you're that you're cooking up. So I, I do want to hear it. No, Go ahead. I, I'm just, I, you know, when you were saying like, no, that's weird. Like you don't take your two best centermen out of the faceoff dot. Like you're you're right. Um, however, it did remind me of of I was reading a story today about the Boston Bruins and whether or not Trent Frederick for them was going to play center or wing. And they said, no, he's going to play the wing. But one thing that we do want him to do is get better in the faceoff dot. And I think there is this idea in the NHL now where even though you are playing the center role during the, you know, the actual play, I think that a lot of teams are moving away from centers having to take faceoffs. You could be the wing on, you know, the right winger, on your line and you're in the face off dot and then you assume right wing responsibilities. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. So I mean, you, I just uh, wonder I mean, we if do that's that going to be, yeah, I, I just wonder if that's going to be a, a trend, you know, for, for the Islanders. Like if that's what they're really thinking of doing, you know, putting Barzell at the center position, just because they like his ability to transition pucks and, and have all of the center responsibilities minus the face offs. Maybe they put Horvat on the wing. Who knows? But Horvat's a really good. Uh, uh, well, and, and that's that's why it makes sense. Horvat's really good in the faceoff dot. So if they put him on the wing and just have him worry about scoring goals, whereas Barzell's up and down the ice, uh, distributing and 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 you know managing the puck, maybe that works. Yeah, I th- I think you're right though that they start Barzell on the wing and Horvat in the center, and they they're they're trying out. The Lees and the Wallstroms and you know whatever they want to throw yeah. at them on on the wing. I it is a weird transition. I think Barzell took to it pretty well though. So I, I think that's a question that doesn't really need to be answered as fully as maybe some of the other ones. Where yes, you could take the face off if you're good at that and you're not assuming center responsibilities, but it is a mindset shift. Shift to shift in the game. Right, you're 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 thinking about your game differently, and as I'm sure Barzell's felt playing on the wing, you just have a lot. It feels like a little less ice. Now you're responsible for a little less, but just your whole ability. Now, I feel like that that's the the job of the coach to kind of figure that out. Okay, this is the style of that player, and we need to make sure that we're developing strategies and gameplay to fit that. 
And and some of that is Barzell. If you're elite, you got to figure this out. I've said I know I said that all last season. You're a professional. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> it's like you're. If only you yeah. got paid to do this. I, I end of discussion. Figure it out. Um. You know, I you know I I'm talking out of both sides of my mouth a little bit. It, it is really it is hard to do if you're used to doing one thing, but I don't know. You're game in and game out, day in day out. I don't know. I, at a certain point it just can't be an excuse it can be a hiccup i understand that but everyone's had time you've done it before find a way and if, well, if that especially if that's what you're hair, so maybe, yeah especially maybe, if that's uh <laughs> yeah i mean especially if that's what your team needs right how oh, i'm gonna be a leader in this and that i don't know you you really have to figure out a way to to make it happen I mean, there's only everyone can look at daily faceoff the same way anyone else does, the players included. You move the dots around. You're, you're just there's nothing to do. There's nothing to move. So that's why I say if, if Barzell goes to center, I I don't even know why. I don't know. I, I don't know how they would do it. I don't know why you, they would put themselves through that because that would it's a ripple effect throughout their whole roster that you're moving players around and. You're not just you're instead of asking Barzell to do it where he's even had success with Horvat, you're gonna ask somebody else to do it who may not have the same level of success at that adjustment. So it's really complicated. I, I and and the lines get very jumbly, especially if you consider okay, the fourth line's not going anywhere and the second line's not going anywhere. So what are your options? Right. What are you what are you really doing here? Who are you playing with who? Whom? Whatever. So I, I think that's where <laughs> You're going to wind up blowing up that second line if Barzell does go to center because you need to even out the, the skill. You, I don't think you can just throw him at center. Um, I mean, that's strong center. Horvat, Barzell, Nelson, Zizekas, we'll call it. Um, whatever. Now, if if someone like, and I, I, I said I wouldn't do this, but if Pajot gets traded, okay, things change a little bit. But I, I don't know that that really, that's not a problem. The current roster isn't an issue. Pajot himself is not an issue on the roster. We like him to play a little bit better at both ends of the ice and, and, and chip in a few more goals here and there. But it's real having Horvat and Barzell on your top line is a good first line. It's a really good line. And then you follow it up with the second, and then the the rest of your lineup can hold it down. Man, I don't know how you I don't know how you change that. I don't know why you would throw a wrench into that purposely. And make your life difficult on top of it. No, I agree with that. Yeah, it's like, oh, my job as Islanders head coach isn't hard enough because we don't score goals. Um, let's split up the best two players in the team. No, right? No, no. it does. Why would you do that? Any sense whatsoever? So no. And then again, blowing up your second line. So you're going to take the two best players in your team, unless that equals Nelson moving to the wing, which wouldn't suggest that. Um, so Barzell's not going to be playing with Horvat or Nelson. I it, explain a world where that'll equal success, where each of them are playing right. on separate lines, and goal scoring happens. I, I I don't. You have an unproven player in Wallstrom, um, Engvall. For, other than outside of what we know, them playing that second line playing together, he's largely unproven too. As much as you know, um, as well as there's good things to say about him, there's that question mark. Um, Lee can score 25 goals, and yeah, Barzell and Lee have played together, but then who's who's on the right? Again, a bunch of unproven players. Palmieri played well, um, but that's not a good first line. Right. Right. Lee, Hor- Lee Barzell, Palmieri is not a good first line. It's an okay second line, but when you have Barzell on your team, like, why are you not setting him up for success? Yeah, I, I, I 100% agree with that. So you're, you're, I'm like, we're racking our brain. There's only so many options. I, I don't, I just don't see it. I don't see the path forward if, if that's the case. Um, I'll, I will say, I'm happy that this is the problem that this team has. That we largely know the roster. Um, couple, <laughs> a couple of young players kind of pushing up, whatever. And we're just, you know, not even arguing, just having it a, a, a questionable discussion just because we don't know what's going to happen about where Barzell is going to play. Like, it's um I'd rather have this discussion versus anything else. And and I think that, that segues really nicely into so our friend friend uh 
Rob Traub, um asked if this was on Twitter. He asked if this was the the best or most talented Islanders team in the Lamorell era. So I wanted to, your your first answer needs to be yes or no, and if it's no, what team is? No, I, I think I think it I think it is. You know, as as soon as January of last year, this team was the best team Lamorell has ever had because he acquired Bo Horvat. Um, you know, this summer, he, nothing except bringing back everyone happened, but, uh, you know, largely for the, what is this, five years now, right? With, with Lamorell, this, holy crap. Is this this is like, year six, if I'm not mistaken. This is, okay, so this is year six. You know, they've they've always had Barzell and Nelson. Um, and then a bunch of decent to good players. Now they have Barzell, Horvat, and Nelson. Um, and you know, those decent to good players plus in, in the forward group, what I mean, you know, plus they have, uh, Ilya Sorokin in that, right? He's otherworldly. Um, you know, the defense Romanov is a really big, you know, ad, but you know, that, that was before Horvat's time. Right. So yeah, I, I would say that this is the best team that Lou Lamorello has rolled out so far to, to begin a season. I think to begin a season, that's right. The players are a little older. I think they have a little more approved because there are expectations. Um, I think, I think it's I think it's tough. Um, it was never about it. You know, if it was the best roster, the best player, it was more this Herb Brooks approach about the you know the right group, not the best group. And now that it is the best group, or if we want to call this the best group, um, this might be the group with the highest highest expectations from the fans. I don't know about from ownership or whatever, but from the fans, after a really tough out last year against the Hurricanes. And still kind of holding on to those two long runs and and believing that this roster is and this team is good enough to do that again, right? It's teetering on not hope anymore, right? If, if they either don't make the playoffs or really bow out in a bad way again in the first round, I think there's a lot of changes that are going to wind up happening anyway just because um, contracts are running out and different things. You're going to see... Um, two years of more turnover than maybe ever before or in a very long time. And I don't know how anyone could hold on after that if, if they don't do well. So this might be the best team, but it might have the hardest time winning over fans of the season, strangely enough, because I think there just are heightened expectations for this club. All right, if you're the best and this is a good team and the core is what went to the final and the, the Eastern Conference final twice and this and that. Great. Do it. Blink first. You know, it's, we just, I think from a fan perspective, it's, it's hard not to think that way. Um, and we lost a lot of good players and we're going to talk about Josh Bailey and we, and Barzell and um, Bavillier and um, over the years, you know, players like Taves and Letty and Boychuk and, a lot of these players that were around for a really long time that were part of what we thought the core was. Now they aged out or for various and sundry reasons are no longer the team. And it is a very different team, but a lot of it is the same right up the gut. And, and that fourth line Varlamov still around. Um, Lee's Lee's a cap. Like this is a, a lot of this team is still intact. The way that they do business is still together and, and moving forward despite a head coaching change. And yeah, I, I think this is a make or break year for a lot of reasons. And I almost don't want to think about it because um, I, I do want to move on to jo- Josh Bailey's Players Tribune article that he wrote. Yeah. Um, and if you, if you thought that was difficult, wait until after this season. So I think we all need to just go game by game and not think too far ahead. And if they're in a bad way by the trade deadline, 
Ooh, baby. That's gonna be a tough that is gonna be a tough one because I don't see how a lot of these players make it past that. And that's the last that I even want to talk about it on this show until then, because it's gonna be really hard to go through, whether that's at the trade deadline or the end of the season. And hell, even if the others win the cup, I think I think there's gonna be a lot of, of change next summer. So I really want to enjoy this roster. If it really is the best. I really want to be able to enjoy it and not think about what that next step is. Yeah. So unless there are just changes that happen and a, a winger comes in and they make some trades or whatever, fine. But until then, I want I want to believe that this is the best roster. And I want to enjoy it the whole way. This is this is the one of the last dances um with this group and, and the core that the way that it is. Because we're at the point where some contracts are running out and getting low and they're movable at some point. And yeah, it won't be pretty on the other side. So let's let's enjoy the boys while they're here. And uh, my only note for the Josh Bailey Tribune article, much like Mike Babcock, woof. That was a doozy. Yeah, what, that was... Uh... Um, What'd you come away with after that? What were you? Because I think we touched on it a little bit, but then so that that article comes out very timely. Everyone's very good at PR in the NHL, uh, for better or for worse. So that article comes out, and the next day you hear that he's on a PTO in Ottawa. Yeah, and or very close after that, he's on a PTO in Ottawa. So back to back news on Bailey. What were you feeling at the time? What are you feeling now? At the time, you know, I was just like, it didn't feel real that he wasn't part of the Islanders even when he got traded, you know, to the Chicago Blackhawks. It felt like he was especially still with the Islanders after he got bought out. You saw pictures of him in New York at like Mets games and like, I think he was at like some Islander events wearing Islander gear. And it was like, I don't know. I think this guy's like going to be in management or something like he's not going to play. He's going to Radic Martinez his way forever. Yeah, but he's he's not going to go anywhere. That joke's for Dan at Lighthouse, by the way. <laughs> um, But then when I saw the player shooting thing and I was like, oh, something's up. He's got something going on. I didn't put two. I thought he was going to retire. Yeah, no, I, I I didn't think he was going to retire only because I I believe I had listened to 32 Thoughts like the day before that came out and they had said that he was adamant that he still wanted to play. So God, you, I, I, I give you a ton of credit for staying up with any news this summer on hockey. I, I was so <laughs> just not, just disengaged from it. So thank you for being the one, the half of the show that was paying attention. Cause I had no idea. I, I thought yeah. I was like players should be, I was like, I don't know. Maybe he signs like a one day and takes a final lap. And um, during warmups, like Alfredson did a few years ago, or geez, almost 10 years ago for uh, Ottawa senators. And they do a whole thing and great, but nope. Turns out he's at least headed to Ottawa. They'll be wearing a different jersey. Uh, yeah, for the preseason. Yeah. So, um, you know, once once I heard that from Elliot Friedman, and then I saw, you know, the the player Tribune article, I was like, ah, oh, something something's up. He's got something in the works, I think. And uh, sure enough, he was signed to a PTO with Ottawa. So I was like, good. You know, it, my my initial reaction was good for him. Um. When I knew he's 33. Yeah, that's what I meant. Like, you know, he's he's a lifelong Islander, but it felt like he was so much older because he started when he was literally 18. Right. So, you know, he was literally he was around for I can't math, but that's a long time. Um, so, you know, when you think about it, you're like, oh, he, you know, or a lot of people thought like, oh, he, you know, he's garbage. Like when he's on the on the ice, like he can't play anymore maybe it has something to do with comfortability you know just 
getting uncomfortable and, and putting yourself in a completely new situation really does something to a person. And, I agree. I think it's a good you know, point. Going to a, a com- completely, not even, not a new state, going to a new country, right? He's going to play in Canada now. I mean, it's not new to him. He's he's from Ontario, but um, he's lived here for however many years he was with the Islanders. Now he's going back to Canada. He's going to be in a completely new city. You know, it's, it's not going to be the same for him. So that change, maybe it does some good for him. Maybe he earns a, uh, you know, a contract off PTO. Maybe he's a, a, a veteran leader in, you know, a, a young Ottawa locker room. And, you know, maybe he creates a whole new back end of a career for himself. And if he does great, um i'm happy for the guy but that was my initial thoughts were good for him i hope he lands with whatever team he is uh he's gonna go and be with he's gonna come back for a one day pto and end his career with with the honors where whatever that is wherever he hangs him up he has to he has to and i've i've not been an a bailey proponent that's not not a thing however um he deserves it I think yeah. after everything, um, the big moments, being young, the whole journey that he went on, um, he he definitely deserves it. It stinks when a player is there so long and they don't see the success that I mean we all wanted, that I'm sure he wanted. And um, after everything, you just hope something good can come of it. And if he's still playing hockey, I'm sure he's happy. So seeing him in a different sweater will be very weird um give me a reason to go up to ottawa from syracuse and go see a game uh when the islanders are in town but i think what really got me with it that he signed it ooh ah and i just yeah it was a short one for you know say, leave it to a hockey player to have a short one a uh, short article but he signed it that way and i was um I don't. Know, I want to say a wreck, but I, it just took me a second to to kind of get through that. I, I he he really let his heart out in that article, and uh, if you haven't read it, I take a minute and, and and definitely do that. But be prepared; it's uh, it's a doozy for sure. Um, yeah, the the ooh definitely got me too. I was <laughs> I wasn't expect for some <laughs> reason. I know he was aware of it. It just for some reason it was I was not expecting it. Yeah, it, it really just kind of threw me. It's one of those things where, like, players no like don't normally recognize little tidbits like that, right? Because like he's not writing a players' Tribune article every week. It's not like a thing, you know. Or he's not talking on podcasts about it because Lou Lamarillo won't, won't let him. So it's like you know he knows, but you don't really know he knows, and then when you finally do know he knows and it's a farewell, you're like, Oh shit. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was everywhere. That song was everywhere. Yeah. Yeah. Like so it, the, the, the jumbotron would, would, you know, put it on at, at UBS arena for, you know, that's what I mean. Right. Right. Goal. So like, you knew he knew, but like he never recognized it. And then when he that's does, fair. when he does and it's a farewell, it's like, Oh shit. Like that's just, all of my emotions in a glass case just bouncing off the walls right now. <laughs> yeah, that was um, that was a tough one. And I don't mean to end the show on that kind of note, but it was just I, I wanted to make sure that we at least touched on it. And whether we started the show or ended the show with that, it was going to be a little tough. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about the season ahead for us. Um, I don't know. I we we keep we're having conversations with people and. Maybe change the show and we're not going anywhere kind of thing. I, I don't know where things are at this point and all, all good things, but uh, we'll keep you updated. I'm excited for whatever comes uh, next for us in the show and whatever it looks like. And um, I think at the end of the day, just 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 happy to be here. Happy to be uh, on screen with you. It's a bummer we have not ever done a real show. Like, I sorry, an in-person show. Um Maybe one of these days we have to make a point. Of, I don't know how we do that with our schedules, frankly. But um, <laughs> good luck catching me being able to do anything. <laughs> I know I have to get in, like, in between your bedtime and your kids' bedtime. Um, I have to I have to squeeze in forty five minutes. 
And then even if I'm down in that area, then I got to go out to the dump. Garbage island. Well, at least, like, bring at least me I'm to... in Newark more than anything now. <laughs> yeah, just bring me to a good deli. Or oh, I want one of those sandwiches. Didn't, didn't one of the... Didn't, like, Ryan yeah, or one dude. of those dudes give you, like, they went somewhere in Jersey? Yep. Yeah. Oh, oh you mean hobbies? I don't know, dude. You, you, you would talk about the sandwich for two hobbies. weeks. Yeah, you would love hobbies. Oh, my God. You would love hobbies. Yeah, I'm dying. I was traveling this last weekend, and there was a deli, and I just did not get a chance to go to it, and I've been thinking about it all week. Man, if I could get you to, if I get you to Newark to to go to Hobbies, that's a must do. Oh I will. I I'll say I'm. I do want to go to a game down there. I have not been to the. I don't think I was ever at Continental, but I, I certainly have not been to the Rock. But I want to catch on another game down there. Um, seems like low hanging fruit. Not sure why I haven't tried to knock that one off the list. Um, but I got. I have to catch on another game down there, and they play them enough. It's not like it's hard to do. So I'll have to let you know. And uh, you'll smuggle me in a sandwich in the PR entrance so that I can. Is the food <laughs> well, hobbies, good? At that? Hobbies oh, is it's... a five minute drive, uh, five minute walk from the production center, so you you could go and and. Uh, oh okay. Eat there we're, easily, we're safe. but you were gonna ask me if the food is good at Prudential Center. No, it was yeah. not good at all. However, really, there is a whole new uh, hospitality uh, company coming in and. Or they they actually did it already this summer. There's supposed to be a whole new thing happening, so I'm excited to see what nice. that looks like. Well, it's on, I think it's on my list for the season because it's a pretty easy one. Um, I, I could make that happen one way or another. So yeah, um, let's end it here. Clean. Let's do it, buddy. Near, nearly a clean hour, a few minutes over. Um, please rate, review, subscribe wherever you listen to or watch the show. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Threads, YouTube, at Nassman Hockey. You can find James' work at New Jersey Hockey Now in the fourth period. And make sure to check out Isles Fix as the season heats up and gets started um, for their curated Islanders newsletter. And James, for really the first time this season, bring us home. Until next time, all, let's go Islanders. <laughs>